0: I've noticed that you guys uh, are a little bit opinionated, so we're going to share our opinions. Uh, we, it's like the, what we've done with the 60 seconds thing, uh, but um, instead of uh, just asking one person, you're all going to get asked your opinions on some things. So, the first th- thing I'm going to do, well, the way this is going to work, I'm going I'm to tell you two things, and you've got to put up your hand after I've told you those two things of what you like the best, until there's one with Four options. Okay, are you ready? Here we go. First one is Coke versus Pepsi. Put up your hand if you love Coke. Put up your hand if you love Pepsi. All right. Cats versus dog. Put up your hand if you're a cats person. Put up your hand if you're a dog person. Ah, great. You know the thing about, can I just tell you, this is not important at all, but my wife is always like, Tom, can we please get a pet? And I was like, I don't want any responsibility. And she's like, come on. And so I'm a dog person. I love dogs. But I said, we're not getting a dog, we can get a cat. Because dogs are great. They're friendly, but super needy. They're like, be my friend, be my friend. I'm like, I don't want someone to be my friend all the time. Go away. And cats, they hate you. So if I have this this little fur animal that hates me in my house. I'm like, I don't want to talk to you. And I'm like, I don't want to talk to you either. I'm like, great, stay over there. Stay over there. Alright. Uh Maccas versus pizza. Put up your hand if you're Maccas. Yeah. Put up your hand if you're pizza. Yeah. Ah. Uh, Netflix versus gaming. Put up your hand if you would Netflix. Yeah. Put up your hand if you're gaming. Yeah. Put up your hand if you're Carl and you like books. There's a lot of Carl in the room, that's great. Uh, Apple versus Android? Apple, put up your hand you your Apple. Put up your hand if you're Android. Great. Instagram versus Snapchat, put up your hand if you're Instagram. Put up your hand if you're Snapchat. Put up your hand if you're like, they're all evil. All right, good. Again, this is the last one. This just gives you four options. Uh, there might be a fifth as well. Uh, AFL versus rugby league versus rugby union versus soccer. Put up your hand if you are AFL. Put up your hand if you are rugby league. Put up your hand if you're rugby union. Put up your hand if you're soccer. Put up your hand if you don't like sport and you do like cardiovascular disease. Uh, All right. So, they are, they're just some things where we find division in our society. We these are not big deals. We don't fight over these things all that much. If if we do, we need to get off the internet and go outside. But uh, these these are not a huge deal. But there are some things in life that bring division. Now we tend to feel like division is a bad thing. Like we should be, you know, people who are unified and peaceful and love each other, which is why. It, seems really weird when we read these words of Jesus, where Jesus talks about how he did not come to bring peace, but division. That seems like a strange thing for Jesus to say. Like, we would expect Jesus not to be about that. We would be like, Jesus should be all about peace. Like, Jesus just wants everyone to be friends, everyone just to get along and, and hold hands and hug and go on picnics together and, you know, <laughs> That's what Jesus should be like, and that here is like Jesus saying, you know what? I'm not here for that. I'm here to bring division. I bring a sword. So why would Jesus be doing this? Well, I think the reason that Jesus is saying this is because whenever you take a stand on something, then you cause division with the people who will be against you. So if you take a stand on Snapchat over Instagram, then you cause division there with all the Instagram diehards, which is a strange thing to be a diehard about, but that's fine. Uh, wherever you, But wherever you say, Look, this is, this is where, where, where I'm taking a stand, you will cause division. Uh, I ran a, a competition uh, for a few years called the March Photo Scavenger Hunt. And the March Photo Scavenger Hunt uh, was a... Scavenger hunt, which was kind of like the photo scavenger hunts that you might do at your youth group where it's like, you know Go out for a night and it's like, you know Get a photo with a red car and get a photo with a policeman and you know You know get a photo with a with a cake or putting a tent up in Woolworths or something like that Like like there are all these things to do and whatever you do you get a certain amount of points for it Well, I was like, well, that's kind of fun uh, but, you know, I'm an adult now, and we've got a lot more disposable income and more time. So I was like, let's run a photo scavenger hunt that doesn't just go for one night, but lasts for a whole month. Yeah. So the, the whole month of March, me and my friends uh, and some people who, you know, I, I didn't even know. They were just friends of friends and friends of friends of friends. We, we played this uh, competition, which lasted for March. And there was a list of 100 different categories that you could take a photo for and you had to take one photo a day and you get a certain amount of points. Uh, The the lowest amount of points you get was one point and that was for taking a photo of your foot and then uh, for one year the highest amount of points you could get was 100 points and that was for taking a photo of yourself uh, on top of the Eiffel Tower wearing red shoes that you bought in Kenya during the month of March and holding your school photo. So that was kind of the the range. (laughs) And there were a lot of people who played this, and they played for the grand prize of nothing. And people took it very seriously. Like, when I say seriously, like really seriously. My friend and I, we went to New Zealand for a photo, uh, which was pretty exciting, because we had to take a photo outside of another country. And then the next year, this same friend that I went with, he decided that he was uh, gonna turn up, uh, just randomly, like without telling anyone. He suddenly turned up in the middle of the United States for, for some photos. And he turned up in the United States uh, because he wanted to get some photos. Like there was one where he wanted to get a photo in a bank vault and get a photo out the front of the, the White House. And he got lots of points for that. But there was one photo that he, that he took where was, there was the category was you on a billboard. And the category stated that you had to be printed on a billboard. Your face was there printed on a billboard. So one morning I woke up and this photo turns up. Um, and it's a photo, there it is, uh, which he'd sent in uh, of, of him on a billboard. And I looked at it, and I was like, yeah, yeah, good one. Nice try, because obviously that's not printed on a billboard. All that he has done there, he's, he's in Times Square, which is great, and he's just waited to be on this video billboard and he's taken a photo. Like, that's not that big a deal. And so I was like, yeah, well done, no worries. Thank you, now send us the real photo. And he was like, no, that is the real photo. I was like, you can't have that as your photo. You are not printed on a billboard. He was like, I am on a billboard. It says you on a billboard. I was like, you're not on a billboard. Like, you're not printed on a billboard, and that's what it says. Like, that's that's not a lot of work. I wanted you to put in a lot of work, apart from flying to the United States. I wanted you to put in a lot of work. And so he got upset about this, and so he got on the internet, and he goes, the judges won't give me my photo on a billboard. And everyone was like, give him his photo on a billboard. I was like, he's not getting his photo on a billboard. And so suddenly I had taken a stand and, and there was division there. There was some people shouting at me for, for one thing and other people shouting at me for another thing. And the thing was, was I couldn't make a decision and win. If I had said he can have his billboard, then all the people who think he shouldn't have had it would have been angry at me. And because I said he couldn't have his billboard, then all the people who thought he should have his billboard would angry at me. By taking a stand, I immediately caused division. And the truth is, with Jesus, if we take a stand with Jesus, then we immediately cause division. And the thing about Jesus is that he is going to cause division because he makes some pretty big claims about himself. Jesus tells us, Uh, that He is God Himself, God in the flesh, come to be here on earth. And so if He is God Himself, then He doesn't want us just to, you know, be His friend. He doesn't want us just to be like, yeah, Jesus is all right, like one of a number of things that we think is all right. No, if Jesus is God, then He has to be Lord. He has to be the thing that we love the most, the person that we honor and worship, the person who comes first out of everything. That's where Jesus has to sit and as soon as that happens, then there's going to be division because there are a lot of other people and things in your life who want to be number one in your life. Lots of other things. For instance, your friends, they want to be number one in your life. Now, they might not say this. They might not sit you down and say, hey, we're friends and uh, we have to be the most important thing in your life. They don't say that, but you notice it. You notice that by the way that they respond when you choose not to hang out with them because you're doing something else. Or if you don't respond to their messages quick enough, then you know they, they show you that they're displeased with you because you're not number one in they're not number one in your life. Or if you decide to spend some time not hanging out with your regular group of friends and you hang out with a different group of friends, then they will let you know because your friends want to be number one in your life. Uh, your school wants to be number one in your life. And they might not say it quite like that, but they will say it. They will say, you know what? You have to, uh, it's like, this is the most important time of your life. It's particularly, and you guys aren't there yet, but once you get to the HSC, they'll be like, oh, it's the HSC. It's the most important thing you can ever do. If you don't do well in your HSC, then you won't be able to get into a good uni course, and then you won't be able to get a good job. And then if you don't, can't get a good job, then you can't have any money, and then you will be homeless on the street for the rest of your life. So you have to do well in the HSC. School is the most important thing ever. School will demand more and more of you because they're like, this is the foundation for the rest of your life. School wants to be number one in your life. Uh, if you get a job, uh, which hopefully you do at some point in your life, the, your, your workplace will want to be number one in your life. Even when you're you know, getting a job as a teenager, your workplace can sometimes wanna be number one in your life. I, as a teenager, worked in the local cinema, uh, which was pretty fun, uh, but not very important. But the cinema talked like they wanted to be the most important thing. I remember one day, my boss came up to me, and he was like, well, he talked to the whole staff, and he was like, you know, uh, if uh, you uh, can't work on Friday nights, on Saturdays and Sundays, if you're not free to work those days, then you can't work here. And I didn't particularly like the job by that stage. And so I was like, well, I have youth group on Friday nights and I have church on Sundays. I'm gonna go and tell him that I can't work and then he'll fire me. And I'll be like, yes, I'm persecuted for Jesus. <laughs> and so I went in, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but I can't work Friday, Friday nights. I can't work Sundays. I was ready. I was like, "I'll take it for you, Jesus." And he was like, "Yeah, that's fine." <laughs> I was like, "Oh," and then I couldn't quit my job either, which is a bit disappointing. Uh, but, but apart from you know that situation, often there'll be times in your life where your your work will be like, you know, we need to be number one, and they will demand more and more of you. And, and then uh, we, the, government. the government will say that Australia should be number one in your life. Like, you can have your faith, you can have your religion, as long as it doesn't get in the way of the way that you serve your country, the way that you participate in society. Because your country wants to be number one. And all of these things are going to be competing against Jesus for your number one allegiance in your life. And then we have the big one, and that is your family, and that's what Jesus uh, is talking about here in the passage. Uh, when he says, he says this: He says, "Do not uh, suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth, to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter-in-law against sorry, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household." Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. What Jesus is doing here is he's showing that your family is going to want to be number one. And if you fall fall in line with your family, uh, then you cannot always fall in line with Jesus that following Jesus is going to cause division in your family. If you follow Jesus, you'll be divided not only from your friends and not only from your school and not only from your work, but also from your family. And it's not always that, you know, in everything, that the the desires of your family and the desires of Jesus are going to be different. But sometimes they are going to be different, even when you are in a Christian family. Uh, Being someone who has worked in youth ministry for a lot, I've seen this happen. You know, families will say, you know, it's really important that my kid goes to church. It's really important that my kid goes to Bible study and my kid goes to youth group. That's really important. But then things will come up where the family will be like, yeah, that's really important. They go to this. But then also the family will organize big family events at the same time as these things. Because they're like, well, actually, you know, those things are important but family is more important. They might not say that, but they do it in their actions. Or they'll say, you know, it's really important until exams come up or assessments come up. And then the family will say, look, maybe you shouldn't be going to youth group or you shouldn't be going to church because you need to be doing your exams and your assessments. Uh, Or you need to be doing that sport thing that we're going to. Like sometimes the desires of your family uh, will come into conflict with your following of Jesus because Jesus causes division. If your family isn't Christian, then that can cause even more problems. But at least sometimes then they're a bit clearer. I have a friend uh, who, uh, he uh, is not a Christian, and his family is not Christian. Uh, But I've talked to him about Jesus a lot. and, And sometimes he'll come to me and say, Tom, I need to know what to do with my life. And I'm like, well, you can try this and this and this. But most of all, you need Jesus. You need to put your trust in Jesus. And he's like, yeah, I know but if I become a Christian, then it's going to cause issues with my family. Like my parents and my grandparents, they will disown me because it costs a lot to follow Jesus. Following Jesus causes division. And so you need to know that that's going to happen. That if you're following Jesus, there's going to be division because Jesus divides us from all sorts of different things. When you put Him number one, everything else that wants to be number one uh, is going to we're gonna be divided from. Now, if this happens, it doesn't mean uh, that you can respond badly. Like, you still need to honor your mother and father, and you still need to love your brother and sister. And sometimes uh, the way that you respond to this division doesn't mean that you just be like, well, stuff you, I'm leaving. And you don't, like, sneak out of the house and be like, you know, never come back because your family, you know, hates Jesus. Like, you can work out creative ways to do things. And also doesn't mean that, you know, if your parents are like, excuse me, can you please unpack the dishwasher? you're like, no, I'm choosing Jesus and reading my Bible and praying in my room. Like, you can't do that. You've got to be like, oh, well, you know, like, part of honoring Jesus is honoring my family. So... There are, there's going to be division, but you can be loving in the way that you respond to things and you can also uh, just make sure that you, you know the difference between you just being horrid and actually you being faithful to Jesus. Like sometimes they feel like the same thing, but they're, they're quite different. So these are the big things that Jesus is going to be dividing us from. But then there's one more that Jesus tells us here, and this is a really big one. And that's that Jesus divides us from ourselves. In verse 38, he says, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. What Jesus uh, is saying there is he's saying that you need to be willing, if you're going to follow him, that you need to be willing even to die. Now, talking about taking up the cross, uh, the cross, as you know, is... Is what Jesus died on and so if you're someone who takes up your cross you're someone who is on your way to die like you don't just pick up a cross and walk around just for the fun of it like if I say to you hey grab your swimmers we're going you'd be like oh we must be going swimming or if I say hey grab a shovel let's go then you know that we're gonna dig a hole and bury your body like you know <laughs> that when you <laughs> not again uh, <laughs> You know, that, you know that the thing, the, the instrument that you get, you know, you know that there's something coming. And so if you grab, if you've got to pick up your cross, then it means that you are on your way to die. Now, that doesn't mean that whenever you follow Jesus, you automatically die, because otherwise there would not be that many people in this room. Like, but as a follower of Jesus, that you need to be willing to die. And there are people who have been followers of Jesus throughout the centuries and even people today who, because of their commitment to Jesus, they do lose their life. But for us, following Jesus will mean that we need to die to ourselves, that we need to love Jesus more than we love ourselves, that we need to be willing to put to death in ourselves the things which stop us from following Jesus properly, to be willing to, to put to death our sin and put to death... Uh, our habits which cause us to 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 not be so devoted to Jesus, that we must be willing to pay the price because we love Jesus more than we love ourselves. And you know what, we all love ourselves. I love myself. Like I, I you know, sometimes as you have seen, I stand up in front and I give talks and I tell these self-depreciating stories and then I come off stage and then I'm like, oh, I told that story about myself. I hope they laughed enough. And I'm like, I really hope that, you know, they think that, you know, I was funny and endearing and, you know, that they, they thought the story was was dumb and endearing and not just dumb, dumb. Like, they're not like, oh man, he's an idiot. Be like, oh, he's a lovable idiot. Like, that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> and And I'll be like, you know, running through things in my head and like, because I'm really, Concerned about myself like really I should just be concerned like did I present Jesus to them? Which is part of it, but I'm also like did I present myself well to them as well because I want to look good If I put something on Facebook or Instagram, I'd be like, oh, I'll just put it out there And then every like five minutes I'm back checking for notifications and when my phone lights up like someone so liked your photo on Instagram like yes They liked my photo and I'm like I'm up to like 14 likes. Yeah This is great because I'm really concerned about myself. I want to be liked, but I have to stop thinking of myself so much and start thinking of Jesus more. Because I need to love Jesus more than I love myself. And some of you are there, and you're you're like, oh, you know what? I can do that easy because I hate myself. I got that sorted out. Fine. But you know, for you, the reason why, the reason why you you know, think that way is, is not because you're not concerned with yourself. Like, you hate yourself because you're obsessed with yourself. Like, because you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, oh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm too fat or I'm too skinny or I'm too tall or I'm too short or my laugh is dumb or, you know, my, I need more muscles or, you know, my nose is wrong or, like, you spend all your time thinking about yourself. And the truth is that you need to realize that it's not about you just as I need to realize that it's not about me. And we need to remember that, you know, that Jesus has made me wonderful, fearfully and wonderfully made. And if Jesus loves me, then I can love me, but it's not about me. There's a guy called Rick Warren who said that true humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. That we need to be people who we don't hate ourselves, but we just think, you know, I'm gonna think more about Jesus. And the more time we spend committed to following Jesus, committed to doing what Jesus asks us to do, the more we will will be comfortable with ourselves. Because we're like, I'm so concerned with Jesus that I'm not so concerned with myself. And I'm so concerned with Jesus that I see how much He loves me, and so I am able to be comfortable with myself and just get on with the work of serving Jesus. So if we're gonna be people who follow Jesus, We need to be divided not only from our friends and from our family, but also from ourselves. And all these things that Jesus asked us to do are things that Jesus has been willing to do himself. Jesus' family were people who thought that he was crazy. It tells us in the Bible, they came, they're like, Jesus is out of his mind, we need to sort him out. Jesus was willing to be divided from his family. When he went to the cross, he was even willing to be divided from his eternal father. For us. That Jesus was willing even to be divided from himself to give up his life for us. He only asks us to do things that he has already been willing to do for us. Now, the last thing uh, that we see in this passage is that Jesus doesn't just ask us uh, to be divided from ourselves. He doesn't just cause division, but he asks us to cling to him that we are people who are aligned with Him. Uh, If you go back to the beginning of the passage, uh, He says this in verse 32, Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Jesus is saying if you're going to follow Him, then you need to own up to the fact that He is your Savior. That before all people, that you say this is the one who I acknowledge. It's him and only him who my life is about. And if you do that, then he will acknowledge you. When I was in year seven, uh, because I was obsessed with myself, I was really concerned what everyone was thinking of me. And there was this one day at school, which I remember I was walking out of the, the school gates and I saw my mum standing there and she'd come to pick me up. And uh, I think she'd done it as a surprise, like in, she was driving past and or something, and instead of me having to catch the bus and the train home, she's like, I'm just going to pick up Tom and drive him home. And it would, save, it would save me like like an hour of my life. So it was a nice thing for her to do. But I saw her there, and then I was like mortally embarrassed. I was like, everyone will see me, and see me being picked up by my mum. And they'll be like, that kid needs his mum to pick him up. I was like, that's so embarrassing. And then I, kept, I was walking along, and I looked up, and I... I saw that not only had she come to pick me up, but while she had come to pick me up, that she was wearing makeup. And for some reason, I was like, that is the worst. How can she wear makeup outside my school? That's terrible. And so what I did is I didn't acknowledge my mum at all. I just walked straight past her. And then she was like, Tom, and then ran after me. And then we hopped in the car, and she was like, Tom, what's wrong? I was like, don't. Did you ever come to my school to pick me up wearing lipstick again? Because for some reason, it's upset me. I don't know why. I was a weirdo. But she'd done this really kind thing for me, but I refused to acknowledge her in front of all those people. And I heard my mum telling this story like a few years later. And she said, at that moment, that I, I knew that, you know, I that little boy who used to love me no matter what, that, that he, I'd lost him and, and I had a weird teenager now. <laughs> and when I heard that, I was like, oh, man, that oh, was horrible. Like, my mom, like, just came to do something nice and picked me up. And she fed me and cared for me and she was my friend and... And She she loved me unconditionally and I treated her like that and that was a horrible thing for me to do. And the truth is that sometimes we can treat Jesus the same way. That we can be embarrassed about our allegiance to Jesus. That we deny Him before our friends and our family and we deny Him even to ourselves. That we deny Jesus. We refuse to acknowledge Him. And Jesus tells us here that if we refuse to acknowledge Him, then He will refuse to acknowledge us. As it says in that passage there, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. But the truth is, well, Jesus will not acknowledge us if we deny Him. If we acknowledge Him, He acknowledges us before the Father. If we say Jesus I'm putting my trust in you my life is about you you're all I've got Jesus then Jesus will stand before our Father in heaven and he'll say that one is mine and that one is mine and he is mine and she is mine and they are mine I died for them that Jesus will acknowledge you 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 who sometimes get things wrong you who loves yourself too much you who you know, doesn't always make the right decisions, but you who say, I will follow Jesus, Jesus stands before the Father and says, they are mine. So the challenge for you, if you are not a Christian, the challenge for you is, will you acknowledge Jesus? Jesus, who is willing to be divided from his family, divided even from himself, to die on the cross for you, will you acknowledge him before others? Well, you see that He gave His life for you and so you can give your life for Him? And if you do, He will acknowledge you before the Father. You'll have a life eternal with Him. And if you are someone who is a Christian, then the challenge for you is, where in your life are you not putting Jesus first? Where in your life are you saying, you know what, Jesus, you are not number one there? And where do you need to say, I will commit myself to Jesus? I will acknowledge Him before my friends, before my family, before myself, before whoever it is, because I know that He has acknowledged me. He has loved me in His life and His death and His resurrection, and I can love Him with all I have. I'm going to say a quick prayer for us, and then I'll hand back over to the band. Father God, we thank You for Your Son, Jesus, that He gave His life for us, that even though it cost Him everything, that He was willing to do it. I pray that we'll be people who see how committed Jesus was to us and we are willing to commit ourselves to Him. That even though it might cost us friendships, it might strain our relationships with our family, even though it might be difficult uh, as we try to love ourselves less or be less obsessed with ourselves so we can be more obsessed with You, I pray that as we do those things that we will... Put Jesus first so our lives will be all about Him. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.